insurance town. I'm the mayor, Heath Sharon, and the host of this podcast. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us today in insurance town. I know you have tons of options out there, especially when it comes to insurance podcasts, but I appreciate you hanging out with us. And today I'm pumped. But before I get into my show, I got to tell you about my friends over at Canopy Connect. They have a one-click solution to make this quoting process so much easier. And you don't have to chase down your prospects anymore for their deck pages and for their policy information. You can all get it in one click. And my buddies over there, Tolga and his crew, have created this and it's making things so much better. And the people that have signed up already have told me so many good things. If you want to learn more, go to app.usecanopy.com backslash Heath. That's app.usecanopy backslash Heath. And, you know, you'll get to schedule a demo. You'll get to um, see pricing. You can, you know, schedule sometime just to talk and get to know my buddies over there. They do a great job. And I, I just wanted to tell you about that before we get into the show. Today's show, I am super pumped about because I got my man from Killing Commercial on here, David Carruthers, very successful insurance agency owner, but also he started this thing called Killing Commercial. We talk all kinds of good stuff about commercial insurance, about fee-based, about uh, workers' comp, about uh, just selling based on yourself, not on a price. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. I had such a good time that I lost track of time. <laughs> so I really want you to check this out. And without further ado, my conversation with my man, David Carruthers. David Carruthers, what's going on, my man? Another day in paradise here in Florida. What can I tell you? You know, we uh, we have four kids at the house. My oldest turned 18 over the weekend. Woke up this morning, uh, went to turn on the shower. It smelled like rotten eggs. The drain wouldn't drain. The toilet started bubbling. And uh, we had no functional plumbing. So it's pretty much a normal day in my life. Sounds like one heck of a party this weekend. <laughs> We hadn't even had the party yet. That's the crazy part. We, we came over with one of his buddies and we watched the UFC for uh, on Saturday. We watched the, the whole UFC event. But uh, other than that, it was pretty non-consequential. Wow. So I know you're one of these guys similar to me. Uh, weekends, you unplug and uh, you don't do a lot of work. So... Anything else exciting that you had going on this weekend? Uh, not not unless you, you call a pumpkin patch exciting. <laughs> well, in my life with three kids under the age of 13, pumpkin patches are still exciting. So, yeah, I'll go for that. Yeah, I we took my niece with us. So we had the two littles and my niece. My kids are 18, 14, 9, and 7. So I did have three under 10 with me uh, at the pumpkin patch this weekend. But you're right, man. I typically like to unplug. I think that's one of those things I have to consciously do. And I, I'm riding a really good wave because the weekend before we had gone away to Key West for a long weekend. And um I didn't open my laptop the whole time we were there, which was awesome. And so it made it easier for me not to open my laptop or my phone or any of that this weekend. So I feel like I've got a good string going right now, and I'm just going to try and continue to ride that. Um, I've been, you know, you would know this as well as anybody when you open an agency, especially me. Um, you know, I opened my agency scratch by myself in my dining room of my home before we we started growing. 
And so you're all things to everybody. You know, I, I grew the agency to a, a pretty reasonable size before I brought my first account executive in. And so whether it's issuing certificates or handling endorsements or just even answering questions on the cell phone or whatever, I'm pretty quick to uh, I'm pretty quick to, to to get back to people. And unfortunately, as we've grown, I've not abandoned that practice and done a good job of delegating. And so um, I'm doing a much better job of delegating at this point. There you go. Well, do me a favor then. Uh, here at Insurance Town, I want you to take a stroll down memory lane with me and uh, talk to me about who you are, what what brought you to the man you are today and Killing Commercial and Florida Risk and everything else that you're doing. Yeah, it's kind of uh, really kind of a boring story, honestly. I, you know, I worked in retail for 10 years. Anybody who's ever heard me talk you will have heard at least one grocery store reference in there. I don't discount that experience though, because at a very early age, I had total PL responsibility for what amounted to a $15 million a year company. I mean, my my the store that they gave me was a $15 million a year store, and I was responsible for everything from if something broke to an upset customer to hiring to firing to answering, you know. Um, employment practices, allegations. And I mean, it was really baptism by fire, to be honest with you. And at the time, I didn't really appreciate everything that I was learning. Uh, I felt like I was having to do way more than I should. But at the end of the day, it really prepped me. It gave me a solid base for what I was going to need to know, not only to open up my own business, but in terms of being able to advise other people. So when one of my clients has an issue, there's a good chance I may have dealt with it before, you know. Um, I I got to be 30 years old. I was working for Super Target. Uh, I was opening new stores for them and helping them fix broken stores with their logistics processes. My oldest son was two at the time, and I just said, you know what, this isn't going to work. You know, I I got out of the the real grocery industry because the work life balance was terrible, and here I am working for an awesome company. I have nothing bad to say about them at all. Great training program, great compensation, everything. The problem is it's retail, man. And with retail, there are known issues that you're going to have to deal with that start with the fact you have to, you're going to deal with working a lot of hours and specifically around the holidays. So I, uh, my dad was the risk manager for an employee leasing company here in Tampa. And one of the owners of that leasing company had had a very successful independent agency that he had sold for a lot of money and was sitting out as non-compete and said, Hey, I want to, I want to go back in the game and I'd love, I'd, you know, I'll have, I'll talk to David. So I, I jumped on a Southwest flight in Birmingham, Alabama, came down to Tampa, had lunch. He said a couple of things to me uh, that if you've ever heard me talk, you've heard me say the stories before, but there were two things that he said to me that got, that got me fired up. The first one was um, the intro. And, and I always preface this by saying, I don't want hate mail from this comment because it's not mine. I didn't say it. I listened to it and I understood it. So people leave Heath out in the middle of this. Here's the deal. He said, the insurance industry by and large is full of average people. They're C players. It's people who will do whatever they need to do to get the job done, but not really anything more than that. So if you're an A player and you're going to come into this industry, you're going to be competing against C players, you should win way more than you lose, okay? After being in the industry for as long as I have been, that's a very fair assessment if you look at everybody across the board. I'm not saying we have bad people. It's just there's people that work 40 hours, not 40 hours in one minute, you know, and they're done. They get their job done. They go home. They unplug. 
Nothing at all wrong with that. The other thing he told me was that I'm building a new agency when my non-compete is done and I'm going to set you up to succeed financially way more than you ever would be able to. And he said, I want you to think about it this way. Everybody that comes to shop with you has $100 to spend in insurance. And that $100 is in five $20 bills. It can be commercial lines, employee benefits, life, retirement, or high net worth personal lines. Okay. Each one of those is a $20 bill. You're going to be given the opportunity to get as many of those 20s as you can based on how we set up our platform. I like that, right? And so flew back to Birmingham, packed up the F-150, headed down and uh, worked with him for probably two or three years. I got to a point where golden handcuffs were getting ready to happen and decided probably not the best idea for me. Uh, my name was not the, my last name was not the same as his. So I uh, decided that I was going to move on. And I started another agency with two other partners back in 08. And I was there for roughly eight years and decided that we just had a, a misalignment of, um, I wouldn't say values per se, as much as just the direction the agency needed to go and the approach that we would take to get there. So I left and started Florida Risk in 2016. We started Florida Risk literally from the dining room of my home, as I already mentioned. And I was basically a virtual agency for about the first year and a half. In June of 2016, we launched. We grew uh, to our first half million in agency revenue uh, by the end of December of 2017. In January of 2018, we opened our first physical location because in order for me to get the carrier appointments that I needed, got to have an office. It's the only reason I have an office, other than the fact I have the four kids and it's good to come here and be able to do things quietly, right? But um, you know, we, we got our office and, and we picked up a couple of a carrier appointments. We uh, opened up our second location in November of that year. And we just wrapped up uh, year number four at the end of June. And we're a hair north of three and a half million in agency revenue at this point. Everybody loves that. The first thing is, holy cow, you guys have grown fast. The second thing is, I don't believe you. Okay, well, I'm going to use the numbers that I use for the end of 20. 2019, as opposed to the end of the fiscal. Um, if you think about it this way, we were about 300 or 3 million in agency revenue at the end of 2019. And if you look at the fact that we're writing accounts that are anywhere between 25000 and $100,000 in agency revenue, it doesn't take a whole lot of those to get to some significant revenue numbers, right? So if you use 50,000 in revenue on average over five producers, which is what we have, that's not even counting me. That's only 12 accounts per producer at 50 grand in revenue. So when people start looking at saying, oh, well, that doesn't make sense or you, you couldn't have grown that fast or whatever else. Yeah, we did. And unfortunately, while a lot of agencies are having sleepless nights trying to figure out how to grow, I have sleepless nights thinking about what happens if I lose one account, right? Because it's not the best growth model. So while it's sexy to say that I can go out and write accounts that are paying a quarter to a half million dollars in premium, the truth of the matter is it hurts if you lose one. So we had a really good experience, a really good learning experience over the course of the last 12 months because we finally got a contract with auto owners. I'd been working for two and a half years to get a contract with them. They don't hand out appointments uh, like candy and you have to really, really work to do it. And when auto owners came in, they said, listen, big boy, you know, I know you're proud of your middle market practice, but we really want to write those accounts that are uh, between 25 and 50,000 in premium. That's really our bread and butter. And we'll even go 
a little bit smaller and a little bit bigger, but you're going to have to promise us that you're willing to put those kinds of accounts with us. And I'm like, crap. Okay, well, we'll have to adjust our pipeline and, and we'll go after it. And I agreed to it. But what they did was by forcing us to move downstream a little bit on the revenue size, it actually dropped the amount of revenue per policy that we have in the agency. And I relax a lot more now than I did before. Um, we've had a, a really good run with those guys. Um, you know, and so I, I'm really appreciative for their partnership, not just because of what they do for us with placing business and how they handle claims and all of that, but really because they forced me to make a business decision and do something in my business I may not have died. And so, you know, that that's changed a little bit. That increased our service burden. So our profitability went down a little bit. And I think a lot of times too, when you're when you're looking at stuff like that, people don't really realize that if you write an account that's a half a million dollars in workers' compensation premium, you have a lot less service work on that than you do on, on an account that's a $5,000 BOP that you're having to issue certificates on and deal right, with right. notices of cancellation and adding and swapping vehicles and drivers and all of that other stuff. And so, you know, it goes back to the foundation that I built the agency on to begin with. When I, when I walked into to this industry. People ask me all the time, how do I get after the big stuff? How do I go after large commercial? And I tell them 100% of the time, it's mindset. That's it. It's 100% your mindset and you having the guts to make that call. If you can't get out of your own way psychologically, then you can forget it. You're never going to be able to do it. But I walked into an agency and was told, we really only want to write accounts in the middle market that are two hundred and fifty to $500,000 in premium. I tell, you know, when I tell the story, it reminds me of the scene from Forrest Gump when he's in there at basic training and he takes his rifle apart and puts it back together again. And the drill sergeant comes over and says, Gump, why'd you do that so fast? Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, because you told me to drill sergeant. Well, guess what? That's why I did it. I didn't know any different. And so when I walked in, I said, look, how do I get in front of these people? Well, you have to figure that out. But if you do, when you get in front of them, we got all the insurance people to back you up, but it's up to you to open the opportunities and get the audience. And so that that was a, an interesting uh, thing for me. And, and I'll never forget, it's actually in the intro to my podcast, right? Because that was a defining moment in my career. You know, you you have to believe that you belong there. You the, the client or the prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time to meet with you. I right, remember right. that. Where that came from is me at 30 years old sitting in the parking lot of a $750,000 premium account, physically sick to my stomach because I just was psyched out that I had no business going in. I'm looking around at all the buildings, all the machinery and all of this other stuff. And I basically slapped myself in the face and said, what are you doing, man? This guy thinks you belong here. You're the one who doesn't think you belong here. He's already he's already scheduled an appointment. Suck it up, get in there and close the deal. It's it kind of like my wife always tells me back when I was having the same issues, they put their pants on one leg at a time too. Or as she tells my, my son and daughter, uh, they poop too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, man. Sometimes that's what it is. It's funny too, because I'll go in in an appointment you know, and I'll make a reference to Tommy Boy or Billy Madison or something like that, you know, from when I was growing up. And, and my producer's like, oh, I can't believe you brought the Tommy Boy out. I'm like, dude, you don't think CFOs watch Tommy Boy? They might not admit they watch Tommy Boy, but I but promise they, you they watch. 
but they do. And it goes back to, like you said, that mindset. And I think that's also huge as, you know, we've talked before, you know, I started off my career in workers comp and, you know, cut my teeth as a workers comp broker. And I know if I'm not mistaken in the state of Florida, it's like state administered pricing. And, you know, there's no, there's no catching a break on that. There's no upper hand. It's level playing field. And I know that uh, that's got to make it, you know, a different mindset shift as well to say, okay, if everybody's level here and I want to lead with the comp, or I want to lead with problems or lead with ways to, you know, be a risk manager, you've got to have a mindset of, okay, I'm different than everyone else. And I've got to show them why. Here's, here's where my head is these days. This is where I think most agencies across the country fail. Um, insurance is the common denominator. Every one of us that is a licensed agency can offer insurance. We all have carrier appointments. We all have underwriters. We can sell them the product. Agencies have to differentiate themselves by moving past that common denominator. They can't focus on the insurance. All things considered equal, pricing may have play from one carrier to the next. Coverage may be a little bit different here or there, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the messaging that we get behind. If everybody is going in and trying to sell insurance, and I I say, this is how I always say it. We got to quit selling a product and start solving problems. Look for what the problems are. So for us, the low-hanging fruit is what everybody else is not doing, right? The the industry as a whole is typically like a bunch of lemmings that are just going to run over the side of the cliff because everybody else is doing it. When I see people going right, I'm going hard left as fast as I can. And you're 100% right. It's state-administered pricing. And I really believe that our competition typically just says, "Eh, the comp's the comp. We can't do anything for you on price. So we're going to come over here to the auto or the GL, and we're going to get you real good rates there you know, all of that. And it's like, that's not how we operate. So that's why we go in and we lead with the experience mod. That's why we talk about total cost of risk, because those are two components that go into workers' compensation that aren't as tangible or as, they are tangible, I should say. They're just not as much of a direct reflection in conversation as what a client sees with premium. So if, and it's not even so much that, right? It's how you go about it too. You could have two agents that go in, my firm and another firm, and they'll go in and lead with workers comp. And our goal is to talk to these people about their experience mod and the things that could be wrong with it. But if nothing else, we're going to identify top loss drivers and frequency and severity and all of that other stuff. It's taken the extra time to make sure that when you present that and when you run that information, you're doing it in a way that's completely different than anybody else. And here's what I mean by that. Most agents that are using any kind of mod software at all right now are not doing it manually. They don't do it manually because they got an easy, they got the easy button. Magic's the first one who did it, where you could scan the experience mod worksheet in and it would scan it in. And now it creates the worksheet inside the software and you can see all of this stuff. But what have you really done? And this is not a slam on Magic software. I happen to think that they have awesome software. No, you're right. And there's other ones, Mod Masters. There's other ones that are out there as well. But yeah, I don't think you're slamming them. I don't think the audience does either. But yeah, keep going. You know. Yeah, no. And, and so what happens is agents realize this goes back to the C player thing. Okay. You got people that are taking the worksheet and scanning it in and they're putting it together. And what they're doing is this, they're doing it because it's easy and it will generate reports. Here's the problem with that. What have you done to validate that the mod is even right? If you're entering the information from NCCI 
What are you doing to audit that and make sure that information is correct? So when we go in and do a mod audit, instead of using the easy button, we're using five years worth of currently valued loss runs. We're using the audited workers' comp payrolls and the, the workers' comp audits from the years of the mod period, and we're keying everything in manually because my first goal is to validate that the mod is even correct. What happens if there's a claim on the mod that was total incurred of $100,000 that ends up settling out for 20, but it's still on the mod at 100? You've not done any, any favors for anybody if you've not identified that. The other problem that you run into, and even some of the companies that distribute mod software, right, um, will tell you, you know, just group the losses, enter them in, MCCI groups them. I don't agree with that, right? Because what happens if I have 10 grouped losses and then all of a sudden I'm going, instead of using MCCI's worksheet, I'm going through the loss runs. I'm like, good grief, man. We have 10 losses that are under three grand that are getting grouped, but I don't understand Six of these are lacerations to the right hand. Like that's a trend. Right. <laughs> you're not going to see that if you just scan a worksheet in. You, you no, don't have not. any. The other thing you could see uh, doing the same thing is if you've got, you know, a bunch of losses, you know, from drivers, then you've got, you could help them on the auto side or back to, you know, some of the other things. You see trends on the general liability side. So by working on that work comp yourself manually and looking at that, you're going to identify as a risk manager, other things in the general liability or the auto and other trends that happen in other areas uh, or an employee that just happens to have the same loss every year. I mean, it helps in so many areas. So you're exactly right. Here's another one. And, and this is a big one, right? If you have the ability to, to work with them and place it, but if you're looking at a mod that's bad, one of my first questions is talk to me about your employee benefits program. How many Monday morning claims do we have because your benefits suck? You could turn that into AFLAC instead of your work comp, which may take a little longer to pay than AFLAC, which is like two days later. Yeah, no, seriously, there's actually studies that AFLAC has done that show anybody who has a voluntary policy in place for their employees, their loss ratio is reduced by 65% uh, once that's put in. And that's 100% true because if you've got somebody that's, look, I had an accounting professor in college that said, everybody's got a number, everybody's sitting on the fence. Nobody's found my number yet. I, I'm, I'm willing for anybody listening to try and find my number, but um, you know, it hadn't been found yet, but that's the same thing with a worker's comp claim, right? You got some guy that's moving over the weekend, jerks a knot in his back or whatever, and now he shows up Monday morning and just so happens to injure his back pulling a water heater off of a truck. If Aflac's in place, this guy would much rather file his claim there and have his money in 24 to 48 hours than have to deal with the worker's comp system. So it takes the people that would normally maybe not be as honest as what you would want them to. And it gives them a better solution and actually allows them to operate inside the rules as opposed to trying to figure out a way around it. And so when you start peeling back everything and looking at all of the different angles you can take just from the experience mod, it blows people's minds, right? Now, in other states, it's probably not as impactful because you got scheduled credits and debits and things like that that you can use that we don't have here. But I would argue that if you go into that level of detail, the mod still does have an impact and it gives you great conversation that other people are just not having at the point of sale. Now, Talk to me real quick as you're going in, whether it's a $25,000 premium account you're looking to place with, you know, auto owners or another regional carrier, or you're looking at a large account, middle market account, do you lead with, um, you know, an AOR situation? 
Is that something you always lead with? Or is it something that, you know, the smaller accounts you don't, but the larger ones you do or vice versa on that? No, I think it's interesting because, you know, I tell people all the time, by the time the insurance transaction happens, that's a foregone conclusion for us. Um, And I don't, so what I mean by that is this, people hire us based on what we do not on what we sell them. Uh, you know, we're going to go in and we're going to show them, here are the issues. Here's here's what you're paying in points based on injury type, body part, cause of injury, whatever, by employee. Um, here's what we're going to do to fix it. These are the things I would recommend. And by the way, uh, I know that you've been sitting here listening to this conversation for the last 45 minutes and I haven't talked about insurance at all. That's kind of intentional, but it, it's the time where we need to talk about it. I know you're wondering based on what we've represented to you, how much it costs for our services. And I just want to let you know, you're already paying for our services. You're just not getting that. Uh, every work, every insurance deal is has commission built in, or you could be paying a service fee Boom. or whatever. That was really good. I like that, that you say you're already paying for it. You're just not getting it with your current carrier or your current agent. And again, not a slam on you know, X, Y, Z agency. It's just more of, you know, I'm going to come in and, and do what I say I'm going to do. I'm going to help you. I'm going to risk, you know, and be a manager of your risk. I'm going to do these things. And so from Jump Street, like you said, you didn't even talk to insurance. Then you're selling them on that idea of you're not going to be paying anymore, you know, by signing this. We're just going to come in and add more value to what you're paying now. Right. So they hire us via agent or record letter and we handle the renewal. We could get hired a month after renewal. We could get hired four months before renewal. It, it all so, depends on where we engage. The other thing about that, that Arkansas agents or anybody, whether you're listening in Arizona, Arkansas, Texas, or Tennessee, you know, it also takes away the X state situation. You know, you don't no longer worry about, that was a bad, that shows up from Arkansas. You don't no longer, you no longer are worried about worrying about X dates and when they come up for renewal, you're walking in straight off the rip saying, okay, we want to take over now, provide the value now before you even, and what they, do you explain to them that you're not earning commission yet until renewal? Or well, that's they, the, that's the beautiful part. We typically, right. but we typically do have a revenue stream. So a lot of the time what'll happen is we'll engage. I, my absolute best time. And, and you have to understand there's, there's a difference between going into that $25,000 account and going into the $250,000 account. Because most of the time, when you're in that $25,000, you're dealing with the business owner. $250,000, you're dealing with a controller or a CFO who does nothing but that financial piece. So my ideal time of getting in front of them is literally one month at the latest two months after they renewed, okay? And the reason why I have several reasons why, and when I when I explain them, it's going to make a lot of sense. Um, but number one, if they had a bad renewal, so number one, renewal still not put to bed yet. At, at a month after renewal, they're still feeling the pain. If they had a bad renewal, they're not you know, they're not happy. They still have a bad taste in their mouth. They're still somewhat willing to talk to somebody about how they are not going to have to go through this again the next year. The second thing is they typically haven't had their audit yet or they're getting ready to have their audit so you can drive the wedge around audit at that time. The other thing is 
all of the lost data that was used for the renewal is still credible by underwriting standards. So we can go in and begin to do our due diligence and use loss runs that they should already have readily available to them. So they don't have to go to their agent or their carrier to get them. So we're flying under the radar and doing all of this work without anybody knowing we're there. And in fact, in most cases, it's months that we're engaged with somebody before they're incumbent even knows that we've been engaged with them. Um, so we go in and we'll start, we'll start going down that road. If we identify issues, if we identify um, issues in the mod that we know we have the ability in, in every, I'll, I'll put this disclaimer on there, every state's different as far as what you're able to do. But if, if we find that we're able to go back and recover money due to botched audits or the experience mod is messed up and we can file an aggravated inequity, typically what we'll do is we'll cut a deal with whoever that prospect is and say, look, we feel like there's some issues here. We're willing to gamble. You know, there's really nothing that we need from you. Uh, but we feel like we can go ahead and recover some money that would be found money to you that you wouldn't have had prior. And all we're asking is that you split that with us 50-50 so that we can have some income stream. And it's going to only help us as we get closer to renewal next year to make sure everything's cleaned up. But at the same time, we're going to use found money to fund our efforts as opposed to asking you to add an expense line to your income statement to find money for us. Because we all know you're not going to get additional risk management budget without having to claw and scratch for it. So we find the money, we split it with them, and that's how we fund our efforts. Guess what? Number one, we found money for them that their agent didn't find. We don't even have to talk bad about the agent. They can connect the dots and realize, why didn't anybody else ever do this for me? How is it that these people came in? And they'll also connect the dots at, holy cow, you know, this person made extra commission because of our error or our bad performance. And it's a flawed business model, right? And that's what we tell them. We apologize to them up front. Listen, I've had to apologize to you for our industry and the flawed compensation model we have. We actually, as agents, get rewarded for your premiums going up, even if it's the result of poor performance on the loss side, right? So you've got somebody coming in who's not really doing anything to help you control losses. Your experience mod is inflated to a 1.7, and they're getting 70% more commission than they would if you were just an average performer at a 1.0 because of your misfortune. How fair is that? And again, it's not. And going back to that very statement of, you know, apologizing for the flawed system. And, and that leads me to my next question to you would be, um, at what level of premium volume on an account do you start transitioning from commission-based to a fee-based services? Yeah. Well, so we like to do fee. And I actually, I don't know if you heard it or not, but we did an episode of Shop Talk a couple of weeks ago on understanding fee for service. If you haven't heard it, this is not a shameless plug. Heath, you should listen to it because I'll say things there that I'm not going to remember to say now. Um, no, you're fine. I'll have to go back and check that out. Yeah. So basically we look at this two ways. So the example that I always use and everybody, there's probably people listening to this now that are going to be able to regurgitate it for me because I, it's, a, it's the best example that I have for my career. I had an, an egg farm, an egg laying facility up in North Carolina that we, uh, that we represented earlier in my, earlier in my career prior, prior to Florida risk. And when we engaged with them, it was because they had loss issues. They had had an average of $436,000, 437 average out-of-pocket losses for the five years prior. They also had 86 million in total insurable values worth of crappy frame construction laying houses. I don't know if you've ever been in a chicken house before, 
but I, I'm going to take my chances coming from Arkansas. You've probably seen at least one or two. Oh, yeah. You're talking – we're in Tyson country. There's plenty yeah. of them here, and they're not well put together. No, they're terrible, right? And so when we walked in, this account was paying a couple million dollars a year for their insurance, and the agent was getting about a quarter million dollars a year in commission. And honest to God, man, 86 million of frame construction on laying facilities is what was really driving the bulk of that premium. And it's just not fair, right? As agents, at some point, we've got to step back and say, is this an equitable business deal for our client? Is there any way that we can make this better? And so I walked into the meeting and the, the owner of the company, president, CEO was there. The controller slash COO was there or CFO, and the COO was there. And I said, hey, um, where's your risk manager? They said, what are you talking about? I said, where's where's your risk manager? I would have thought they would be in this meeting. They said, well, we don't have one. I said, well, you're paying a quarter million dollars a year in commissions on the placement of your insurance. You have to be getting some level of support for that money. And they said, no, we see our agent, you know, maybe mid-year just to check on things and going into renewal, I was blown away, completely blown away. And so what we did is we laid out the case. We showed them all the issues they were having on the fleet side. We showed them everything we could help them with on the workers' comp side. We changed the structure of the property to make it a little bit more favorable to them because they did have spread a risk. And essentially what we did was we said, look, we're going to give you two different options. Number one, we're not going to take commission on this deal. It doesn't make any sense. And what that means is when we go to the insurance company to place your business, we're going to tell them we're not taking compensation on this deal. We're placing this deal, what we call net of commission. And so your premiums will come down by the amount of the commissions that would have been in there. And then rather than the insurance companies paying us, we're going to bill you directly for our work, just like your accountant or your attorney would do. We're going to bill you directly on a service fee. And here are the options that we have. You were paying $250,000 last year, roughly. We don't think it's going to cost that much. We feel like we can come in and do a very good job for you for $87,500 a year, guaranteed. Or we're willing to put skin in the game because we believe enough in our processes that we would do the deal with you for $75,000 a year. And for every 100000 that we reduce your total out-of-pocket loss costs, we'll take a $10,000 bonus We'll cap our bonus at 25. So your worst case scenario is if you pay us a hundred, you will have saved a quarter million. That's incredible. That and is a so, great example. And, and so they, yeah, they came in. They're like, do it 75. We want skin in the game. First year goes by. We dropped total out of pocket loss costs to $36,000. Pegged our bonus. Did the deal on a handshake. We go in for the renewal meeting. Yeah. The COO is like, I owe you guys a check. Here you go. And he said, is that 87.5 deal still on the table? I'm like, yeah, it's on the table. We can't drop, we can't bonus anymore. So we'll take 87.5 going forward. So we worked for them for a couple of years for 87.5. And then they gave us a, a raise to 100,000 for the last last couple of years I was at that agency um, prior to leaving to start Florida Risk. And you know what? We made plenty of money on that account, man. And we were, we were locked out. Nobody else could get their head around the fact that crappy construction was driving property premium. And that aside from the risk of getting carpal tunnel from writing a few more zeros in the accord form, when you fill out the submission, what were they really doing to provide value? They weren't. And you saved them 150 grand for however many years. Oh, yeah. We just, it's yeah. ridiculous. Well, and that's the thing, man. I mean, so I see this argument all the time. I see the argument that clients are not loyal. 
clients aren't loyal. They left me, blah, 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 blah. I saw, I saw a, a thread in uh, one of the forums one time where a guy was, was talking about a client that he had that had grown to 150000 in premium over the time that he had that account and the client left him. And the client left him. Not only did the client leave him, but they paid more money to leave them. And so the person posts complaining about it and doesn't understand. And these big agencies come in with all of their shiny objects and they get people to leave. And where's the loyalty and all of this and all of that. And here's my thought process on that. They didn't leave you for premium. They paid more to leave. This is not an insurance problem, people. This is where I go back to the common denominator. They didn't leave you because you didn't place the insurance right. They didn't leave you because you didn't issue certificates in a timely fashion. They didn't leave you because you don't answer your phones on the weekend or whatever else. They left you because somebody came in and showed them a problem in their business that you didn't identify that they had the solution to solve and they got, a, got them to get hired. That's it. It's that simple. And if we stay in the lane as agents and agencies of focusing on insurance, 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 and we don't look at any of the other stuff, a more well-rounded producer from a more well-rounded firm is going to come in and beat you every single time. No, you're 100% correct. And, you know, if you're basing everything on price, every single part of it on price, and, you know, forget about what we're here to do, you are going to lose most of your accounts after two to three years. It's just a proven fact. Here's what I know. I'm, I'm not a massive agency, and I take business away from the massive agencies. USI, Brown and Brown, IOA, I, you know, all great firms all make a lot more money than you and I combined times 10. But at the end of the day, they're selling insurance and I'm not, right? So if I go in and a client's having fleet management issues, I can go walk in and say, listen, you guys are having fleet issues. Talk to me about your driver selection criteria. Does anybody ever come in and giving you a matrix of exactly what you should be looking for in a driver before you ever hire them, because I understand how uncomfortable it would be for you to bring somebody in only to find out insurance isn't going to allow them to come in. What are you doing to monitor your MVRs in real time? Tell me about your telemetry system and what the disciplinary process is around people who you have to call in for hard braking, hard cornering, all of this stuff. Talk to me a little bit about what your training program looks like. And they're going to tell me all of this. And I'm going to say, well, let me, let me tell you what we've done. One of the things we've been able to do is we've partnered with ThinkHR to provide a learning management system for our clients so that when you bring somebody on, we have a predetermined educational track that we can put that person on. And it's going to make them go through all of the driving training, dispensive driving, distracted driving, you know, vehicle maintenance, all of the things that they need to be looking at. And we're going to be able to capture that uh, in real time. We're going to be able to task them to retrain them in six months if we feel like this is something we need to be talking about twice a year or whatever else. And we're going to make sure that we're monitoring this and it's completely streamlined for you. Now, to the agent out there, that's like, well, that's great. That's just another shiny object. Okay, that's fine. Let me tell you how shiny it is. It's so shiny that when you take that training track and you put that as part of a material submission that you're sending to an underwriter showing that you have put people through this process. And as a result, the losses have begun to drop in the current term, even though historically they're not that good. I'm going to get something written with an underwriter that you're not. Yeah, no, I, 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 incredible. Um, again, I, I gotta, I gotta ask, uh, I'm going to pin you down on this eventually, 
When do you start at that? Do you start at that at a hundred thousand in premium or two hundred thousand, or is there a certain price point that you say, okay, this one with my fee for service or these auto owner accounts or whatever the carrier yeah. is, I'm gonna have a commission. Yeah, no, I'm with you. In, in is there I, a science in, to that? The the science is pretty simple. There's got to be enough meat on the bone, right? So. You know, if you're going to, but, but I want you to think about it. This is a different way too, right? So if I go in, let's just say that I go into an account that's 50,000 in premium and um, that account has a 1.6 mod or, well, I can't do it in Florida because of the, I'm trying to think of a good example. I want you to look at it two ways. The fee helps the client, but it also protects the agency. And I'm going to explain that in a minute, but 25,000 in premium, it's not going to make sense. I mean, that's like what, 3750 in revenue? You're not going to fee somebody for that. They're not even going to understand that. And and I know this because of experience. I've tried to have that conversation with an account that's that small. They don't get it because they're they're not wired necessarily wired to think that way. It doesn't make them bad people. It just means they're wearing 15 hats. That conversation doesn't translate. They can't grasp the fact that the premiums are going to come down. It, to them it looks like another bill. I really don't start looking at that until about probably 20, 25,000 in agency revenue. At that point, it begins to make sense. I've done them smaller, but in terms of where okay, it's going to so make 25K sense. 25K is your, your starting, your jumping off place. Yeah, pretty much. I would say that. But think about this. Think about if you go into an account that, let's just call that account 50,000 in revenue, 25,000. It doesn't really matter what the number is. But when you engage with the account, the account had a hair on it. And as a result, you decided, you know what, this account would probably pay 50, 60,000 in revenue, but I'm willing to do a deal for 35 to 40,000 on a service fee basis. Here's what happens. You lock in the baseline for your compensation too. Because if you go in and you do your job and the premiums end up dropping at some point, if you're really, really good, those premiums are going to be lower than what the what they were before and the commissions will be lower than what the service fee would have been. So there are times where you can go in, lock in a service fee, save a client a couple hundred thousand dollars on premium and then raise your fee 10,000 because of your efforts, right? Would it, there's no argument at that point. Yeah, I know, you're, I know your premiums are lower, but here's why they're lower. And we feel like, you know, we, we deserve a $10,000 increase in our fee this year because it's really only 5% of the savings that we've gotten for you on the premium side. And if yeah. you think about if you think about it that way, you can actually get paid more money on fee than you would get on commission, but it doesn't work out of the box that way. You have to set that baseline. So for us, it's literally every single deal we're looking at it to say, does this make sense to offer a fee? Do we take commission? And I'll be honest with you, a lot of it has to do with us basically underwriting the ownership of the company too, because it's not all rainbows and unicorns in the service fee world. I've got an account right now that owes me over $100,000 on fee that they welched on. If I would have had that money in commission, I'd have had that money. So I own that, right? I, I'm the one who made the decision. I made a bad decision. Right. But and so, again, doing that is something that I feel like our industry needs to continue to grow in that because it takes us away from that icky mentality, so to speak, to use my little girl's, you know, mentality, that icky gross mentality of we're this a salesperson. And it moves us into that professional realm, as you mentioned, accountants, lawyers. How many of those guys work on commission? How many accountants work on commission? None. They bill you by the hour. 
And that's the thing that we've got to get our industry in that arena, especially in the commercial. So I applaud you for that. And I think that's super cool that you're getting people to think that way and they're paying you for a service, not a product. Here, let me, let me, I'm going to really make you short circuit. All right, hit me. Here's the other thing you can do on service fee. I don't care if I place the insurance or not. Okay. I've got an account right now that I do not place the auto general liability or inland Marine. Why? Because Cincinnati wanted to buy the business and I don't have a Cincinnati contract. Right. I sit as the risk manager for this company. I have an email address, risk management at this company's name. Agency comes in, said Cincinnati's really interested in your account. We'd like to quote. Sure, go ahead. They come in and quote, they're $100,000 less in premium than the closest wow. option I could have. When I say they wanted to buy the business, they wanted to buy the business. I go to the owner of the company and said, look, man, I'd love to place this for you, but you're paying me a service fee to be your risk manager and to give you the best advice. I'm not saying this is a long-term solution. This might only be good for two or three years until they change their appetite and decide they want to get off of it. But you're going to save $100,000 a year, including the compensation that the other agent is getting for placing this by going to Cincy. I don't care if they place it or not. I just saved my client $100,000 a year. That's what they're paying me to do. So you look like a hero at that point. So by the way, here's the other fun fact. When you ha- when I go into a middle market account, every one of my middle, if you saw my iPhone, I've probably got 15 or 20 email addresses in there that are risk management at in the company name. Yeah. Who, do you th- who do you think the other agents solicit at renewal? Risk, risk manager at. And if they don't solicit me directly, they solicit my client who forwards it to me. So anybody who comes in to try and compete with me has to go through me as the gatekeeper. How successful do you think they're going to be? <laughs> That's brilliant. That is brilliant. And so is that as a transition, the next question I want to ask you, okay, so over the last four or five years or longer, and you've learned this and you developed this and you've got this going, now I'm hearing over the last six, eight months, you want to teach other producers this, and you've started a program in Florida called Killing Commercial, correct? Tell me what Killing Commercial looks like. Tell the audience, what is Killing Commercial, and what is that? Are you teaching them all these things you're telling me, or are you diving more into other things, or is it an accountability, a coaching thing, all the above? What are you doing? So I'm going to tell you the short answer that I tell other people because it's funny. We give away a ton of content for free between the YouTube channel, the blog, whatever. We put a ton of stuff out there. And so what I tell people is if you think the stuff that we give you for free is good, you can only imagine what the paid content looks like, right? And so Killing Commercial actually has has taken on a life of its own. We've got about 87, 88 people nationwide that are in there right now. And it's not, it's a training program, but it's not. Training's a component of it, but we have to train people to give them the foundation of what we already know so that we're all speaking the same language. Otherwise, it would be like dropping me in the middle of China and expecting me to be able to compete with everybody over there, not knowing Chinese, right? We got to teach them the language. We got to teach them the ropes. And so we do have, and it's funny because this whole thing has morphed so much and continues to. Originally, it was, 
killing commercial. We're going to teach you to go out how to kill middle market deals and drag them to the cave, right? Well, guess what? You got guys like Jason Cass who go out and write the biggest account they've ever written in their life using our techniques. I get a call one morning and says, hey, bro, I need to get on the horn with you. I need to know what to do next. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, we got this deal. I need to know what the next steps are. I'm like, well, I didn't tell you I was going to do anything else. I told you I was going to show you how to get it. This is a problem, right? We got to get people equipped to understand, okay, now we've killed it. Now what? How do we onboard this? How do we give the client experience we need to give? How do we communicate with the carrier to explain to them how we want to be able to report claims by location so that we can break our mod analysis and everything else out by location so we can hold individual unit managers accountable for their own results so that I can keep going, but we ended up developing a second segment inside the digital learning silo called Keeping Commercial, and that's everything that happens after the deal's closed. And then the third piece of it is what we call masterclasses, and that's where we go into really deep dive stuff. So if you ever wanted to learn in detail how to use the workers' compensation experience modification factor to drive a wedge at the point of sale, we have a masterclass for exactly that that we can that we can teach to people. And so um, digital learning that way. Then we realized, well, we're teaching people how to do everything we do, but they don't have any of our stuff What's that look like? So we have a static content library with our workflows, our automations, any marketing pieces, um, templates, all of that stuff we give them. And that's all the stuff that we use at Florida Risk and what I've been doing over the course of my career. And logo change, color swap, boom, now it's theirs. They can use that anywhere they go. The third piece of what we're doing is what has just blown me away and is the most powerful part of what we're doing. And that we have built a full-blown social network on the back end of the website. So anybody who comes in, when they log in, they're going to see a newsfeed just like they see on Facebook or LinkedIn, but it's agents from all over the country that are collaborating specifically on middle market deals. That's awesome. In order to get things done. Now, the important caveat to that is when we bring people in, we're not cheap, man. I mean, we're, we're not, you know, if you're looking for a $99 a month training program, I'm not your guy. If you want to go out and build a million dollar book, I'm going to show you step by step how to do it. And I've got an army of people behind me that are going to tell you that they have written. I had a guy the other day I was talking to who said, this is crazy, man. He goes, the largest account I had ever written prior to working with you was $35,000 in premium. I have four accounts I'm going to close in the next month that are over $100,000 in premium. I never would have called on them if I wouldn't have gotten involved in your program. And that's the cool part. But what happens is the reason the social piece works is because when somebody gets in, they're buying exclusivity. We will not work with an agency within an hour and a half of another one of our agencies because we want collaboration without competition. I'm not going to go sell myself to every agency across the country. Number one, I wouldn't be a good fit for every agency across the country. But number two, I want people to have a defined advantage using our techniques over their competition. And you can only achieve that by having some level of exclusivity in the program. And so that's what we've done. In addition, inside the social network, we have a, an open forum called the War Room, where we go into very focused topics. So for example, we have guys that want to focus on trucking insurance, rather than trying to organize those conversations in a social network newsfeed. We created a forum for them for trucking, and they can go do the trucking stuff. They have their own calls, they upload collateral, they have conversations about carriers, all of that's organized in a very nice, neat fashion. And then the other thing is every other week we have a one hour call 
on a very focused topic. Sometimes we'll bring in somebody from outside, you know, the agency world that's a service provider or whatever else. Sometimes we're, um, you know, we just go off on a, I, I'll, I'll do what I'm doing with you right now. I'll just go off on a topic for a while and, you know, bring everybody up to speed on, on different ways they can approach things. But it's cool because is the agency principal, if you invest in the program every month, they get a dashboard report showing how much their producers are using it, how far they've progressed through the e-learning. And then they can take that and overlay uh, that on top of their results to see if they're maximizing the return on investment. Wow. And you started this five, six months ago. At the end of January. Right before the big COVID. Okay. And so um, this is something obviously that's already morphed into what it is now. I can only imagine where it's going to go from there. And I've seen a whole bunch of stuff lately on social about kind of a, I'm calling it a reality show, so to speak, or an apprentice-esque show that you're doing or tryout deal. Is that part of Killing Commercial? What is that? Yeah, no, so that's the deal. We, I have these wild ideas and I'm always one of these guys who has the idea and I don't stop to think it all the way through. And I'm just like, we're going to do this and we're going to hype it up and we'll figure out how to make it happen on the back end. That's been my MO my entire life and it hasn't come back to bite me yet. So I had the idea there's a, as I've had these conversations, I've sincerely felt that there's a lot of people out there as producers that maybe are working for agencies that aren't giving them the support they need, or those agencies aren't willing to invest in them and throw the coin in them to help them get to the next level. And so I just said, you know, it is, you know, as I'm, as I was outlining and I'm like, this does sound sort of like the apprentice, but it's called the protege and it's specific for middle market commercial producers. Um, we, we created what, what is essentially a reality show that's going to be hosted on our YouTube channel. And we're going to have 10 agents that are producers from across the country that are going to compete for seven weeks, uh, solving a series of business challenges. Each week, somebody will get voted off. We'll interview them on Power Producers the day after they get voted off, just like they do with the TV reality shows. But we're going to follow them through that journey. And at the end of seven weeks, we'll be down to our top three. We'll announce the top three. And when we do, um, those top three are going to be brought to Tampa prior to Innovation 2021. And I'm doing a free one-day commercial insurance workshop the Wednesday before Innovation. Innovation starts Thursday evening and they do their golf outing on Thursday. Because it's in Tampa, I'm already here. I'm going to do a free one-day workshop on commercial for everybody that wants to attend it. And during that workshop, the three finalists are going to present for 10 to 15 minutes and the audience will vote through a phone app in real time to name whoever the person is that's going to be the protege. And what they get, the first person gets a lifetime access to killing commercial, which is valued at about 25 grand. Okay. The second person I'm going to give weekly 30 minute mentoring to for a solid year. And then the third person, I'm going to bring my tailor in and the third person gets to get measured for a custom suit. So all of the top three get, they win if they get to come to Tampa. It's just a matter of what they win. And then season two, we're going to follow that winner through their journey. And while we're doing that, we're also casting for the next season of people to compete for the opportunity again. So it's pretty cool. Um, you know, Bradley Flowers, Ryan Hanley, Ricky Hader, Josh Lipstone, Jason Cass, Josh Gurley are all sort of helping on the panel to determine who 
how we're going to do this, but it's, it's been crazy, man. The videos that have come out so far, some of these people are like, I wouldn't want them calling on my accounts. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> They're intense, man. <laughs> that's really, really cool. And that's good for you, man. I, um, you know, before we wrap up, you know, I think I've told you a part of my story is I went through a program called pace setters through state auto and, uh, it was a program that changed my whole, you know, trajectory, my career. I learned so much, but it was uh, being a part of that community that you talk about on your website, having that weekly coaching call, having that accountability and, you know, success breeds success when you're around that. And so I think that's really cool that you have created something like that. And uh, I'm interested to follow and see what happens through that. And I'm I'm a reality TV junkie. I'm not going to lie. So I'm super pumped about it. Here's what's crazy with what we're doing um, inside of actual killing commercial right now, going into 2021, we're going to game a the community. We're going to, we're going to have all of the agents that are already in the program competing against each other and have sales tickers running across the screen in real time so that everybody can see their numbers and award different badges and levels and give prizes and things like that. But I think the thing that makes the community so powerful, is not just the support that you get, but it's the power of numbers. It's the power of numbers that have the same common goal and the same demographics so that I can go to a software provider and say, I've got 80 agencies in this group that want to use your product. I need to understand the best price that you can give for us. We can go to carriers and say, we want to put together a program specific for the agents that are in Killing Commercial. And I want to know, you know, here's here, what, what's the best you can do for us uh, with pricing and coverage extensions and things to give us some level of exclusivity. Ultimately, what my goal is, and this is, again, this goes back to me thinking that about the massive idea and then paring it down. I want to run this thing for a couple of years, make sure we all play nice and get along with each other, that we all have similar moral compasses. And then I want to open up the opportunity for anybody in Killing Commercial that wants to participate as a partner, jump in, and I want to launch a captive and have all of us be able to throw as much of our clean premium into our own captive that we all own and make a lot more money than we're ever going to make given money to regular insurance carriers. And we have the mechanisms in place to do that now. I just got to make sure that we're all riding the same same kind wow. of horse. That's a whole nother conversation that uh, I'd be interested to hear more about with that whole thing. So that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> and again, I could probably have two or three more episodes based on what we've talked about so far. And I, I really appreciate you coming on. I do want to give you the floor um, as my become my favorite segment of the show. Um, I'm going to back up, hit mute, and let my audience enjoy hearing from you without me asking questions. I want to hear what's on your heart, what, uh, what you want to talk, educate, inspire, innovate, whatever you want to do. Talk to my audience a little bit. I'm going to give you the floor for a minute. Uh, and I'm kind of rambling while you think. Uh, I see your wheels turning in your head. So um, smoke's coming out of those ears. But yeah, just, uh, you know, I'm going to hit mute here. Go for a minute. Let me know before we wrap up. If there's something on your mind. Yeah, I think that the one thing that, that I've seen more than anything else, it doesn't matter whether it's been early in my career or where I'm at now, and, and we, we talked about it a little bit before, it's self-belief in people believing that they're capable and able to do the job. People, if you're listening to this and you have doubt, you need to fix that. 
You're the only one that can fix that. It's easy to sit back and listen to somebody on a podcast and think that everything in that person's life is absolutely perfect. And it's not, it never is. And I'm pretty transparent about that with myself as well. And my audience would probably agree. But here's what I'm going to tell you. If this is something you want to do for a living, if this is something that you believe in, you're the one that's going to be able to control that. Get out of a victim mindset and go out and grab what's yours. I don't talk about it a lot, but my youngest son has very significant special needs. And there was a time in our life where we didn't know if Ethan would live to see 10 years old or not. And I live with that every single day. And that's what drives me because I can go home and I can see my son who knows there's no, he doesn't even know there's anything wrong with him. And I can learn a life's lesson every day by watching him. That's what drives me. That's why I have a reality show. That's why I have a podcast. That's why we write business. Get your priorities right. Find your why. Know why you started and don't ever abandon that. And you won't be able to help but be successful. Amen. Get up in the pulpit and preach it. I appreciate that. That was awesome. Um, touched my heart, and I appreciate you sharing that because I think that's huge right now. Uh, that you know people forget or people don't do that. They don't take that time to stop and figure out why they're doing what they're doing. So I appreciate you getting personal with us. I appreciate you letting us see behind the curtain a little bit of. What I think I think our industry views people as insurance celebrities, okay? I'm finding this more and more as we go through it when at the end of the day, there's no such thing. There might be people who have a greater reach. There might be people who are, are more flamboyant on social media or put out a ton of contact, but it, content. But at the end of the day, we're all people. We all, we all poop. poop. We all poop, man. <laughs> we all poop, exactly. <laughs> so- and that's the thing that, you know, it's as simple as that is. Every time my wife says it, we all giggle, you know, but it's one of those things. It's the truth. Everybody does it. So anyway, I, I, I love that you say that. Um, I would love to keep going. I do have one other thing I ask from you. Um, if you could give some sort of contact, if anybody wants to reach out, if anybody wants to say hi, if they want to say thanks for your show or ask you questions or advice, uh, give me some, uh, give me some sort of contact. Yeah, I would say that if you can't find me on social, I failed miserably. Um, but I would tell you that the best email address to get me at is the David at killingcommercial.com email address because my Florida risk partners gets buried. Yeah. And I don't want anything to, uh, and it runs through different spam filters and stuff too. It's, it's kind of weird. But uh, if you want to reach out to me and, and listen, uh, go to killingcommercial.com. If you want to talk to me directly, if you have questions or need advice or whatever else, People will tell you that I am generous with my time to a fault. Uh, my calendar link is wide open all over the internet. So if you have questions or need advice or just want somebody to bounce something off of, feel free to use my booking link. I'm a big boy. I know how to budget my time. So I block the time I need off for the agency. But if it's open and available, I'm always willing to do whatever I can to help people. And you, you need to understand, I said it earlier on, 
I don't ever want to be the guy that's sitting alone at the lunch table when I go to an insurance conference. You don't need to worry about whether or not I'm going to throw the hammer on you to join my training program or anything else. That's not how I'm wired. I truly do everything I can to try and pay back because there have been people that have paved the way for me to do everything that we do. And I operate from a place of sincerity every day. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you hanging out with us here in Insurance Town. Um, Yeah, please come back and visit us again someday. Anytime. And we're going to have to have you come over so we can turn you into a cartoon, man. Dude, I I was thinking, I hope I get that invite because those things are awesome. That invite's there, man. You got my calendar link. Schedule it. Let's do it. Let's do it, brother. Have a good week. All right. You too, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys, for hanging out today on the show with me and my man, David Carruthers. I hope the content we brought you added value to your day today. And I really hope that every episode you listen to has done that. But particularly today, if you're looking to get in the commercial arena or if you're already in it and you want to improve, I really think there was some gold dropped in there. And I'm I'm super pumped. So uh, before we jump off here, I do want to say if you have not subscribed yet to our show, please go ahead and do so as we're building and we're growing and we're adding more content. I want to make sure that you are notified and you're one of the first to know about it. So hit the subscribe button wherever you're at. And if not, you know, we drop an episode every Thursday. So check it out every Thursday, whether you're walking the dog, driving that four minute commute to work (laughs) or um, if you're walking to your living room to jump on uh, your computer, whatever it may be, uh, let's check out Insurance Town. It's it's, uh, been so much fun lately and I love my guests. And this show was edited, recorded, and produced by my man Ryan over at Ready, Set, Podcast. He does a great job. Check him out on the web at www.getreadysetpodcast.com or you can check him out on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn. If you can't find him, as David Crowther says, and he's not doing a very good job, but he is. Uh, I find him all the time and I refer people to him and he does a great job for them. So if you've got an idea for your own show, make sure you reach out to my boy over there. That is uh, Ready, Set, Podcast. Turning your brilliant ideas into a reality. Thank you so much, guys. And I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.